Happy New Year! It's that time of year when we all get a fresh start. In real estate here in Toronto, things slowed down over the Christmas holidays. It was a well-deserved break for us as agents, who have been really busy since the summer of 2020. It was also a well-deserved break for people who were out looking to buy real estate. Whether it was someone trying to get into the market for the first time, families wanting to move up and get more space, or investors, they all shared the same frustration. Short supply, bidding wars, and a lot of disappointments. 2021 was another record-breaking year, not only in Toronto, but right across the country. So how's the year 2022 shaping up? Can we sustain this wild pace that we've seen over the past year and a half, or will things slow down? Today we're going to have a look ahead with my company's chief operating officer, and as I like to call him, our own in-house economist, Steve Tabrizi. I'm Desmond Brown, and welcome to Sold in the Six. Steve, it's always so great to have you on the podcast. Welcome back. Thank you, Desmond. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, glad to see you again, and uh, Happy New Year, my friend. Hope you had a great holidays. Yeah, well, thank you. Great to see you, too, and Happy New Year to you, too. Yeah, we had a COVID holiday, but uh, we'll get into that some other time. <laughs> so, the big question everyone's asking is, why have we seen such crazy real estate markets right across the country since the summer of 2020? Well, multiple factors. Uh, the number one factor is probably during the COVID era is being low interest rate, increase of the household uh, disposable uh, income, so they have higher saving, mm -hmm. and the ability for them to be able to work from home and save more money on transportation uh, and all sort of uh, other unnecessary items. Yeah. And the lower interest rate increased their affordability in terms of jumping into the market. Mm -hmm. And the other factors that everybody really doesn't pay attention to it was the employment. Although at the beginning of the COVID, we surged to almost 13% unemployment, yes. but it was very temporarily and 80% uh, of our market buyers uh, managed to basically keep their job, work remotely, and the most of the unemployment happened in the hospitality and the food sector, That's right. which historically, because of their lower income, they are basically part of the rental pool. A very small portion of them are in the uh, home buying process at the moment. Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we talked about that before when you were on the podcast with us on just how that, that hospitality industry did suffer the most. And those are mostly part-time jobs as well. But the economy has been really, really good right across the country. Yeah, the economy uh, had a lag, uh, of course, in early quarters of the 2020. But as soon as the job security uh, basically kicked back and everybody basically had the job. And obviously, we have to thank the federal and provincial government for all the stimulus packages, which continued almost to October of the 2021. Um, so that gives yeah. a really a confidence to consumers. My job is secure. I'm saving more money. I'm able to work from home. The interest rate has been low. So 
let's go house hunting. Yeah, let's go house hunting, exactly. So over the last year, we've seen prices increased in, increase in places like the Durham region, 29%, London, Ontario, 30%. Uh, Toronto actually, even though it's a very expensive market here in Toronto, we only saw an increase of about 7% in prices over the last year. But anyway, prices are up. Is this sustainable, do you think? The reality, as much as we love to say it is sustainable, no, it's not, uh, Desmond, because uh, mm -hmm. we cannot have year-over-year double-digit growth. Historically, Ontario real estate market, if you map out the last 30 years, had an average of the growth of the 7 to 10 years. Yes. But if you continue to have a double-digit, this is not even a double-digit. Yes, it sounds double-digit, 29%, but... Uh, just to put it into the perspective, imagine a house which was worth a townhouse in Durham region prior to COVID about a half a million or $600,000, now sitting at a nine hundred to a million dollars. Yes. So it will push the affordability to a new era. And really right now what we are facing, we are facing the price differentiation between the prices of the home and disposable income of the consumers. It's completely out of the equation. Yeah, I, I can see that too. Now, for people who aren't familiar with Durham Region, that is an area just to the east of Toronto, and it's made up of municipalities such as Pickering, Ajax, Whitby, Oshawa, Bowmanville, all through there. Um, so I guess it only made sense, though, as the ripple effect from the city of Toronto uh, to those outlying areas like the Durham region or to York region to the north of us that the prices would go up because people are looking for larger homes. Um, people are seeing that it's a, it was a bargain out there compared to living in the city of Toronto, correct? Yeah, it's absolutely. So people look at the areas that easier access to the employment hub, which historically the employment hub has been the city of the Toronto. Mm -hmm. So Durham was the first region because of the GoTrain access, the ar main artery, which is the 401, yeah. and then going north to uh, Don Valley Parkway, DVP through the York region, and on the west side, 400 going through the Simcoe County. Yes. So consumers, they basically realize this is the only opportunity that they got with the low interest rate to enter into the market. When we talk about the 40 to 45% of the first-time buyer are basically are the market share of the first-time buyer within any buyer in any segments in the market. So those people, they just want to get into the market. And uh, really, the transportation to their workplace wasn't an issue mm -hmm. because everybody had the ability to either work hybrid or work full-time even from their home. So and it's very natural in any uh, growing market, the center of nucleus which was the city of toronto maybe has a seven percent growth but then all the outliner they will have a double digit growth and it will continue to have that double digit growth in 2022 wow um you just mentioned 40 to 45 percent of the homes bought were first-time buyers you were saying yeah yeah so the biggest push for the last two years was millennial mm -hmm. if you recall prior to the COVID, millennial were quite upset that the housing prices, the government got to do something about it. Yes. But I think during the COVID, they gave up. And the only reason they gave up, because the millennial, they are also among the highest income uh, per family in the country. Wow. They're all highly educated. They got great job. 
So average income of the uh, millennial is sitting above the average mark uh, of the Ontario or Canada. Average is about one hundred fifty to one hundred seventy thousand dollars. They got professional jobs, wow. so low interest rate, professional job, and they literally saw this is the only opportunity that they can get into the market. Some got into the condo market. Some that they ha- were in the condo market, they really take advantage of the uh, selling their condos and using the equity and now going to a home. And the homes are primarily in the outliner area, in the suburb areas, such as, as you mentioned, Durham and Simcoe's, Ottawa, uh, all the other bigger cities. Yeah. So when you say 150000 is that a single income or is that a combined income for, for a couple? Combined income because, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's actually quite high. Ontario, unfortunately, the combined income, family income, uh, a couple is sitting close to about a $90,000. Yeah, wow. So that's the, that's, this has been their opportunity. And I know I'm out there uh, working with first-time buyers, and it's not unusual for my first-time buyers to be buying homes for $1.3, $1.4, $1.5, $1.6 $1. And, of course, we've talked about this in the past, too. A lot of this has to do with good, sizable down payments, and it's because of the parents parents who are still alive who want to see their children have a home and they're they're giving down payments like crazy out there i think it was like eight billion dollars last year um that parents helped uh, uh their their children buy homes eight billion dollars in down payments well they have they have no other alternative by the um, uh, financial institution guideline any purchase price of the over a million dollars you got to put ncmhc's guideline you got to put 20 percent down 20 percent down yeah so imagine somebody buying at 1.3 million that means they need about 260 to 300 thousand dollars including closing costs to put down so the 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 yeah. parents they also realize they suddenly got an additional assets and equity that they couldn't even built it up for the next 10 years so it was a very natural for a parent just said, look, I didn't have this money. I got all this extra money because of the market appreciation. Mm-hmm. Why not let me give it to my children? Frankly, it didn't really impact their household planning or retirement planning. No, because imagine if you had no, imagine if you had a bungalow in Scarborough was worth a million dollars and you didn't have no mortgage as a, a baby boomer or as a senior. And now suddenly it said uh, your realtor said it's worth the $1.5 million. So, and you didn't realize where that half a million dollars appeared. It appears in the last two and a half years of the appreciation. So without the help of the baby boomer, the parents to their children, it's literally, even if you are in the family combined income of the millennial or a younger generation of the $250,000, let's assume, mm-hmm. if they got in that category of the income bracket, it's almost impossible to purchase a $1.3 million home and qualify. Yeah, that's so true. And actually, as we talk about this, this morning, my team member and partner, Jennifer, actually has submitted an offer um, for a client who's actually buying the home for their daughter and son-in-law. So pretty amazing. You know, like they are using yeah. the money that they have in their homes to help to, to help their children. and. Hopefully, we'll get this property for them today. It's like a $1.6 million property. Hope so. Yeah. Okay, so about a year ago, we did this similar podcast with you, and you said to me, Desmond, you're going to be really, really busy this year, the beginning of 2021. And boy, you were so right. 
What do you see for 2022? I mean, we're looking at maybe uh, an increase in prices across the board. I'm seeing anywhere from 5 to 9%. What do you think? Well, uh, you're going to be busy again this year. The, the reality is this. The number one topic, as you know, this year we have a provincial election. It's going to happen in June. Mm-hmm. The number one, and if you recall in a federal election, one of the top three topics, the main topic was affordability and housing. Yep. Provincial election, it will be focused 100% around the housing issues. All the three parties, for the first time, they're acknowledging that there is a housing supply issue. Yes. Are they able to solve this problem in 2022? Absolutely not. And now, with the reopening of the border and immigration, that's the Minister of Immigration keep announcing that on a monthly basis, they have a record-breaking of the approval process. So you have newcomers coming. The economy and the rate of the growth of the GDP is at the plus 4%. Unemployment is back to the rate of the pre-COVID at around 5 5.5%. Yes, we had few glitches, yeah. which is the latest Omicron variant that put us back, particularly with the hospitality business. But overall, the economy is strong. The GDP is strong. Our monetaries, uh, policies are strong. Interest rate is low, but interest rate definitely will increase this year mm-hmm. because the one of the first steps that the federal government needs to do control the inflation. But everybody got to keep in mind, the inflation is not only related to real estate. The supply chain globally is really been uh, uh, interrupted. So when you don't have a final product in a timely fashion, it costs you more because of the labor cost, because of the shutdown of the COVID cases, and productivity goes down, the cost of the supply and the goods goes up, so the inflation goes up. But they're going to increase the interest rate. They're not going to increase it uh, with the big percentage. They're probably going to do maybe every six months or maybe every quarter by a quarter point. That would also push the people who are sitting on a um, sort of a line of the yeah, hesitancy of the buying or not, they're going to buy because they're afraid now the rate going to go up. Yeah. So you got the combination of the all positive factor for 2022. and uh, The supply is not going to change. No, so no, what's no, going to no. happen? The suburb is going to get much more uh, attention. In Toronto, condo market will go through the roof and the sad news for rental market is the rental market probably supersede the expectation of the, even the pre-COVID, and we will have the rental rate probably going to sit at about $3 to $3.50 per square foot uh, for condominium and apartment building here in the city of Detroit. So you're wondering what to do with real estate in 2022 doesn't matter what you decide, just get pre-qualified. And that's why I recommend Jason Georgiopoulos of Dominion Lending. You can reach Jason at jasong at dominionlending.ca. He'll give you the best rates and best terms available. Yeah, so when you talk about the condos going through the roof, I mean, condos are, or the condo owners are the landlord of the city now. In Toronto, pretty well, and that that trend is starting to to spill out into the surrounding areas as well. And as the prices of condos go up, then of course 
the rents have to go up because the investors want to make sure that most of their carrying costs are carried through or, or, or by, the, by, by their tenants, correct? Well, a lot of the investor, particularly the pro-investor, really don't carry about the positive cash flow. What they're looking, they're looking at the last 10 years uh, price appreciation. So they're looking at, they're saying, okay, I'm putting two hundred dollars or $300,000 uh, uh, down payment uh, for this uh, pre-construction condo. Let's say 20%, usually it's about 15 to 20%. So the average price, let's say right now for a, a one-bedroom, one bedroom plus ten is about six to seven hundred thousand dollars. So they are putting one hundred fifty thousand dollars. They got two options: either they wait for three years before the occupancy, they assign the contract, yeah. and it's cash on cash. So they put one hundred fifty. They suddenly uh, grab two fifty. So they made another hundred on the top of it in three years, which is almost twenty five percent rate of return. Secondly, they can close and they rent it, and they basically play. The rules of the price appreciation of the condo, which is year over year, has been about 7, seven to 10%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is no loss here. And if you look at now what happened to the investor pool in the market or speculator, maybe used to be 5 to 10% of our market share. But in the last two years, people are comparing the actual Canadian residents who have a 100% residency here in Canada or in Ontario they are looking at the comparison of the stock market versus the real estate investment market. And the rate of return in real estate has been double digit versus the stock market has been the single digit. So it's natural that a lot of people that they were homeowner, Canadian, uh, the good news is almost over 60% of the Canadian are homeowner for a long time. And they have enough equity and asset inside their property. So if you pull that asset out or equity out without really affecting your mortgage or anything because of the low interest rate, so it's natural that you're going to invest in the pre-construction because you want to have a good rate of return. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the appreciative value that people get. Now, there was a time, you know, for our parents anyway, when they bought a property and they would get a 25-year mortgage. Actually, the term was 25 years and the amortization period was 25 years. And at the end of 25 years, they paid off the house. Most of the people I'm dealing with now probably don't have a hope at all in paying off that house, but they are gaining a lot of that appreciative value with the increases that we're seeing each year. So the smart people, you're absolutely right. The smart people who are playing this market right now, they're hoping by gaining more liquid asset through the gain appreciation of the prices, and hopefully they do a reverse cycle, meaning they go from a big home to a smaller home, now fully paid off immediately. So instead of waiting for 25 years mm-hmm. and or moving to the suburb or moving to uh, smaller cities with the similar amenities and support of the health system and education system to Toronto, such as Ottawa, such as London, such as Barrie. Um, And you notice now a lot of municipalities such as Barrie, Ottawa, London, they're really spending money in infrastructure of attracting employers and people and basically telling them, look, London and Ottawa or Barrie is a great city to live. You can have a job here and the cost of the living for you is 
half of the cost of living into ours. Yeah, I want to get into that with you in just a little while. Um, just want to go back again, though. You talked about immigration. And over the last year, our borders have been closed to immigration. Still, we had record-breaking real estate markets all across the country. Now that the borders are opening up again, what do you see happening here? I know you talk about like we can't sustain the growth that we've seen, let's say, in a London, Ontario, or a Durham region of you know, 29 30% per year, but immigration is definitely going to start fueling the market again right across this country. Yeah, well, uh, uh, I'm a proud uh, Canadian immigrant, uh, and my next statement, uh, I've been talking about it for the last few days, maybe is not welcomed by some of my fellow immigrants. Mm -hmm. But the problem that we have, the immediate, not the immediate, probably in a sustainable five years plan solution for the issue of the supply and demand in Ontario, why we do have immigration. Federal government many years ago recognized, almost 30 years ago, we have a labor force issue in Canada. We have also a Canadian somehow they don't expand anymore their families so the birth rate is dropping on an annual basis so that was the foundation of the immigration bring the skilled worker to canada so they will be part of the cycle of the employment they pay the taxes they buy the houses the usual uh, cycle that goes but right now you got a federal government that wants to bring immigration provinces are crying or saying we don't have enough supply but the supply also required the labor force, so they are contradicting each other. Mm -hmm. The yeah. only way that we can really manage the supply and demand, and hopefully we not crash the market, we make the market sustainable and growth on a healthy uh, basis is, we continue on immigration, but we got to come up with a better reallocation of the immigrant in a different provinces. Not everybody can come to Ontario or BC or Quebec. They got to really spread the wealth everywhere else in, in Canada. Otherwise, we are managing only doing 75 to 100,000 new home, new construction a year. And now we are ramping up from a 250 Canada-wide to 450, which almost 40% uh, of them, they want to come to Ontario. Even if they don't buy, even if they rent, so we need the rental pool, which we don't have even the rental pool. So we have a lack of inventory of the rental too. So these two policies, they don't talk to each other uh, properly. And that's the only solution. And it happens in 70s in uh, uh, the era of the Mr. Um, Pierre Trudeau. Uh, that's what he did for three years. He basically freezed the immigration policies. Uh, are they going to do it? I guarantee you they won't because uh, they won't. They won't. No, they won't. But uh, there's a lot of value of, to what you're saying there. Now, what type of or, or which provinces and which communities would you recommend new immigrants move to or settle in? So take a look at before COVID. The whole concentration was Toronto, Montreal, and BC. Look at the last two and a half years what has happened. We got a fantastic growth, even in a suburb area of around the Toronto, Barrie, Durham, which frankly, they were undervalued. The reality is why a city such as Pickering with 20 minutes drive to the downtown Toronto should have been 50% lower prices than the Toronto. That's not a really 
uh, a good model. Now, the cities that they basically going to see a tremendous growth in 2022, or the provinces that are going to be, Atlantic Canada is going to be one of the provinces. Yes, Calgary starts seeing rebound of their market, but they still have a very major issue, and that's the employment. Exactly, their entire sector of the employment is on the uh, energy, which is oil and gas. But if you watch, the price of the oil and gas is rebounding very healthy and going up. And they predict by 2023, we may be back at $100 per barrel for oil. So Atlantic Canada, uh, large cities within Ontario, uh, they will basically benefit from this uh, interprovincial migration or within the Canada migration. Mm -hmm. And as long as uh, the employers either they be flexible on a hybrid model. And many employers are also are looking at uh, the issue of the attracting quality employees. When they see 70% of their sales force lives in suburb, and if they're going to hire them for the city of the Toronto, they want 20% increase in their salaries, they're probably going to rethink about the strategy of the relocating their offices to those areas because their cost of their operation drastically will drop by almost 20%. Ah, so, and we talked about this and I think it was the last podcast you were on with me. We talked about uh, cities where there are great opportunities for actual first-time buyers. And one of them that we talked about was Calgary. Another one was Ottawa. Now, I see that, and congratulations for this, but your son just graduated law school down in Duke University which is amazing. I saw, I saw all your postings on social media and you guys are so proud and that's an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. So for somebody like your son who may not get his start in law in a big center like Toronto, what would you recommend uh, as far as real estate goes for him and for other people his age? Uh, it's, a, it's a very good question you ask. I actually had this conversation with my son. Oh, perfect. I actually have... Yeah, I actually have convinced my son and I said to my son, what would you want to do? Do you rather, let's, let's be completely transparent. A law graduate uh, in Ontario at the moment, if they are lucky, entry level salary for them would be about eighty dollars to $100,000. Mm -hmm, yeah. Which is great for a younger generation as a single person. So... The same law graduate in U.S. will start with $180,000. Yes, exactly. US. Yeah. So if you are in Ontario or if you are in Canada, do you rather be in Toronto for the same $80,000 or do you rather be in Ottawa or do you rather be in London, which the price of the home are half of the price of here? So, Or do you rather be in Atlantic Canada, which is probably the price of homes are 40 35% of the price of the Ontarios. So that's the conversation with the younger generation. Move to the area that you got employment, you can build your resume, you can build equity in the properties, and you never know, you may basically uh, create a family and build a family over there and grow everything there, or then you'll have an opportunity with some equity, come back to the bigger market that you want or closer to the bigger market that you want. But uh, it's sad to say that if the parents, they don't help the younger generation, the younger generation for years will they be renters. Mm -hmm. And so what about your son? What, what, which way is he leaning? 
He is uh, leaning uh, towards uh, Ottawa. Yeah. He is leaning towards uh, United States. It's uh, I'm sad to say it, but uh, I'm trying to convince him to stay home. Um, but uh, the younger generation are going where the employment. Remember, we just talked ten minutes ago about the millennial. They got great education, and the Gen Z and why what they call these new generation. My son is twenty two years old, so these people are looking for good quality employers, good jobs, and these people are willing to move. They're not like a older generation like you and me we say no no we love toronto we're not moving from here we're not going anywhere uh, we hustle no these guys uh, they will go to us they will go to ottawa they will get if he get a job in uh, calgary he will go to calgary because uh, that's the, just basically the entry level for them yeah for sure when you talk about the us being about 180 though you're you're, you're are, are you not just mentioning places like you know new york chicago los angeles the larger markets right yeah, yeah, the larger yeah. market. Yeah, yeah. The larger and then market. with that larger market comes a higher cost of living. Well, yeah, it, it comes higher cost of the living, but the younger generation, the way they see with the larger market, they see the pool of also employers. They see the opportunity for them to jump from one to another one. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that Toronto has attracted for many years among the millennial and younger generation of first-time buyer is that opportunity of the job market. Uh, you know, if you take a look at it, Ontario, beside the London, Ottawa, and maybe Toronto, uh, you really don't have a big major hub of the employers and job opportunities. Yes, you do have maybe Kingston and Barrie, but uh, they're very localized job opportunities. There. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Okay. So in a nutshell, what can we expect for 2022? Just recap it for us there, Steve. Increase increase on the price of home guarantee. Uh, the election topic would be uh, affordability of the housing. It's going to be big, 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 big topic. It's going to be a major debate about it. Interest rate will go up. Uh, supply and demand uh, will not be resolved in 2022. Uh, maybe by the end of the 2022, right after the election, Right after the election, you will see some policies uh, introduced by province, very similar policies to 2017 in terms of the lending and in terms of the investment properties. Uh, And they are hoping by that to slow down the train. They will slow down the train, but the good news is this. They basically won't cause any big dent in the price decrease. We basically create a confusion very similar to 2017 all the way to 2018. The market will be healthy, maybe flat, maybe not a double-digit growth from the third quarter of the 2022. And then again, in 2023, we'll catch up with the supply and demand issue. Uh, so those are in the bucket for 2022. Uh, condo market uh, uh, will thrive. Condo market in the suburb areas. It's a great opportunity to get in for the younger generation uh, because developers, they were not in the suburbs, uh, big condominium, but right now they see a huge opportunity to go there because instead of selling it at $1,600 per square foot in the city of Toronto, they can sell it for eight or $900 in the suburb, or maybe in Barrie, they can sell it for six or $700. In Ottawa, they can do the similar 
uh, area. Rental market uh, will be through the roof. Unfortunately, it will have a double-digit increase in a rental rate. Yeah, so it's not a bad time if somebody wants to invest in a rental property at all. Then one of the best uh, opportunity or sector in real estate that people who are really long-term investors would be multi-residential because the multi-residential for the next probably decade, it will be a very lucrative market. Mm. Uh, supply and demand, uh, I'm sorry to say it, it's uh, unless there is a there is a, an agreement, there is a proposal by a liberal party on the table on a provincial level that proposing that the official plan for housing and a transportation to be signed off a 25 years plan and irrelevant of the which party comes into the power cannot be affected. Mm. Can these three parties sign off on that? If they do that, that would be great. But they are all also recognizing it's a 25 years plan exactly. that we can manage this. Well, yeah, I mean, that says it right there 25 year plan. All of the, you know, the federal election promises that we heard seem to talk about these short-term solutions for supply. And we know, being in this business and just being just educated, that it, it's not, it, it couldn't be done. It just couldn't be done. And it was more election promises to get elected than it was real solutions of the supply problems that we do have right across the country. Well, uh, the, the problem is, the Desmond, is this. They know what's the problem, but they can't admit it. Hmm. Yeah. They can't. They can't. And uh, it's not a rocket science. You know, uh, every plan that they come up, just go do the research on the historical. It takes, if, they, if today is the election and today they start doing a highway that they want to do, yes. uh, it takes four years to be completed. And the four years, it's another election. So every plan requires a four, four years implementation and infrastructure. And that's why we, we really got to separate the official housing plan and the transit and transportation plan away from the elections. It has to be a policy uh, to become passed by legislator. And uh, basically, doesn't matter who is in the power. The cities, they got to have an allocation of the budget to these two era and just basically continue doing it uh, as long as we live. Yeah. Steve Tabrizi for Premier. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, I'm not good for the uh, politics because I talk too much and uh, I will be probably impeached and then be out of the office. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to stop you right there. No more talking, Steve. That's it. We're wrapping up right now. Steve, thank you very much for joining us. And there you go. That's our, or that's Steve's prediction for the year 2022. We're still going to have a very, very busy real estate market over the next year. Good time to invest, good time to move up, good time to enter the market. Thanks again, Steve. Thank you. Well, that's our latest episode of Sold in the Six. So if you're on the fence about real estate in the year 2022, get out there and buy something or sell something. I'd like to thank my producers, Doug Downs and Steve Kassar of Podcast That Pop. If you like what you've heard today, follow Sold in the Six and you'll get every new episode automatically. And tell your friends about this podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Des in the Six. And Six is spelt 
Number six, IX. Yep, I'm just trying to be cool. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I also have a website. Actually, I have two of them. In the six realestatecom or DesmondBrown.ca. And if you want to get in touch with me or have a story idea, send me an email at des at DesmondBrown.ca. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, I'm Desmond Brown.